I'm Will Fry with Fry Ranch in Mason, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, dry land cotton is running out of time in the Texas Southern Plains. It is hot it is dry, and that cotton needs a rain now if it's going to survive. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The Texas High Plains corn crop is nearing the finish line. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll discuss strategy for bringing the crop home. U.S. pork exports had an outstanding first half in 2023. Meanwhile, beef exports are lagging somewhat behind from last year's record pace. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more just ahead on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Time is critical for the Southern Plains cotton crop. Kirby Nixon grows cotton in Floyd County, northeast of Lubbock, and like most farmers, he had a great start for this crop. But it is hot, it is dry, and the dry land cotton is running out of time fast. Well, it seems like three weeks of pushing 95 plus to uh, in the hundreds and, and the wind blowing and it's it's dried it out. We went from being pretty green and having a really good looking crop to the dry land starting to kind of give up, you know, what, what we call the white flower. It's just waving its white flag, just being done for the year. Nixon says some summer rain would go a long way right now, not only for his cotton, but for his cattle pasture and wheat planting prospects. Clouds have started to pop back up. We hadn't really caught any rain yet, but we're hopeful that maybe we'll get a little bit of rain here towards the end to build us a profile for some wheat and maybe get a little growth out of our grass for our cattle to graze, you know, for the last part of it and at least have some grass to for the winter. And like I said, any of this rain we get right now would still fill some of the bowls um, in this irrigated and, and maybe some of the dry land as well. Hopefully it comes in a hurry. Without a rain soon, Nixon says his dry land cotton crop is done for. Texas farmers and ranchers are paying more to stay in business. According to a new report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Texas farmers and ranchers' expenditures in 2022 rose 11% to a little over $118,000. The largest chunk of those expenditures was feed costs, averaging around $25,000. 
That's up $4,200 from 2021. Livestock, poultry, and other related expenses cost Texas farmers and ranchers an average of $23,000 last year, while farm services, which include custom work, veterinary services, transportation, and more, averaged around $12,000. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Wheat planting is just around the corner if you're planning to graze this fall. Westbred wheat agronomist John Fenderson says a seed test is critical right now before planting. Get that seed tested. We had some some weather concerns around harvest time this year. And sometimes some of that seed and some of these wet conditions can begin the sprouting process. Sometimes that'll weaken uh, that seed and, and certainly need to get it tested. I'd recommend a cold germ test as well, just to make sure that uh, you've got good, strong seed to get that that uh, that plant started on a good foot and, and get it out of the ground, especially if you're going to try to graze this wheat. Fenderson also recommends getting a seed count so you know exactly how many seeds you're planting per acre. The Texas High Plains corn crop is nearing the finish line. James Hunt discusses some strategies for finishing out the crop. For many farmers who grow corn in the Texas High Plains, this has been a challenging season at times, especially early on when big spring rains delayed planting or created difficulty establishing stands. But agronomist Russell French says at the present time, it looks like we're on track for a good corn crop overall. However, here's some advice from French on finishing the season. The thing about corn right now is our kernel counts have been determined. So now what we're doing is filling those kernels to get a good kernel depth and to get a good kernel weight. So we want to have as few kernels to make a bushel as possible. You know, there's a big difference in yield going from 90,000 kernels per bushel to, say, 85 or even 80,000 kernels per bushel. So most growers, what they need to pay attention to is making sure they have adequate subsoil moisture before they terminate irrigation for the season. And so normally, you know, on a silt loam soil, that requires about three foot of very good moisture at half milk line. On sand, uh, we would want that about three foot of good moisture at three quarters milk line. So the corn water use is dropping off. And we've had some rains in the area, and and a lot of fields are in good shape. So we don't need to be running maybe all the time, but we're not definitely done for the season unless it continues to rain. So, you know, most growers are paying attention to their subsoil moisture, and that's the main thing. Just don't quit watering too soon. Another thing for corn farmers to be watchful for, southern rust. Southern rust can blow up from Mexico and South Texas. I've not seen any southern rust here in the High Plains. I've not heard any reports of it, but that's probably the last disease thing that we need to be paying attention to. If we don't see it here in the next couple of weeks, we're probably going to get by okay. Once again, that was Russell French with French Agronomics in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. U.S. pork exports have had an outstanding year so far, but Tom Nicoletti tells us that beef exports have been a bit down this year. U.S. pork exports concluded an excellent first half with another strong performance in June. That, according to data released by the U.S. Department of Agriculture and compiled by the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Here is USMEF President and CEO Dan Hallstrom. 
for the first six months, we're up 14% on volume, up 12% on value. And that the real star of the show continues to be Mexico, up 14% off of last year, uh, by far a record. So that's encouraging. But I would say what's even more encouraging is that it's, uh, it's not just one country. I mean, we've got uh, the Hong Kong, China region up, mainly driven by variety meats. Japan had a good month in June. Demand is solid on the pork side, and there's some outside factors helping that, like relatively short situation of pork in Europe. Hallstrom points out some bright spots emerging in the beef export side as the export contribution to per head fed cattle value climbed back above $400. We had the highest value since uh, the fall of 2022 for a month, so easily the largest value month for this year, led by Mexico. And uh, if you look at Mexico year to date, we're up 14% on the beef side, and that's a combination of variety meats and muscle cuts. We have some other regions continue to show growth as well. Africa having a tremendous first half of the year. You know, the EU is up, and you have places like Peru that are up. I would say that the beef side, you're starting to see some trend lines come through that are more and more positive every day. That is Dan Hallstrom with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The hot and dry conditions are causing pastures in the coastal bend to suffer. R.V. Buring tells us cattle producers are back to supplemental feeding in the summer just to keep the cattle going. The high 100-degree temperatures every day, no rain for nearly two months now have taken a real toll, and producers are having to up their supplemental feeding. many instances, uh, obviously, those cattle have dropped in body condition considerably in the last 30 days, and producers are going to increase feeding until we get some green grass growing again, and Lord only knows when that will happen, and it'll take some significant significant rainfall to get it turned around. That's Harvey Buring in the Texas Coastal Bend. The dog days of summer are barking loudly across Texas. Gary Joyner has more. Hot and dry conditions continue for most of Texas. Crops and livestock are stressed, and there's not much optimism in the short-term weather forecast. Rainfall chances are absent from the outlook. Cotton, corn, and grain sorghum fields are being hammered. Range and pasture conditions are also deteriorating. The most recent Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report says 84% of range and pasture is rated fair to very poor. Grass is not growing. Livestock are being moved where grass is available, but for how long? Supplemental feed is being widely used. Water is a serious concern as well. For many, stock tanks are drying up, if not dry already. There may be trouble getting water to some locations. Our state's ranchers are caring for their livestock. They are doing all they can to provide ample clean water and shade for their animals. Cattle can drink up to 30 gallons of water per day. Shade can be trees, a lean-to, a barn, or whatever is available to provide relief from the sun. The lack of cooler evenings is preventing livestock from being able to cool down from the triple-digit temperatures during the day. The dog days of summer are barking loudly now. Only rainfall can quiet the pack. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has revamped a part of its website to help landowners, hunters, and the public learn more about chronic wasting disease. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there's a new product that's being used for arthritis in horses. 
veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Register before September 7th to save on your registration and hotel room at the 2023 TCFA Annual Convention. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There's a new product that's being used for arthritis in horses. Dr. Bob Judd has more on this new product. Polyacrylamide gel, also called PAAG, is being used in arthritic joints instead of steroids and some other medications as it lasts longer. Osteoarthritis is likely the most important condition affecting performance horses, and it is likely the most common condition treated by veterinarians. Years ago, the only option of treating these joints was cortisone and hyaluronic acid injections, but now there are several options that may be better. One of these options is PAAG, and Dr. Florent David from Cutter indicates in the horse publication that this drug is a non-toxic gel that retains viscoelastic properties through cross-linking technology. The gel integrates with the water molecules in the joint and surrounding tissue to form a bioscaffold, and the material incorporates in the synovial lining of the joint about four weeks after the injection. It is believed this scaffolding can remain in the joint up to two years, and orthopedic shoeing and exercise programs can maximize the duration of the effect. Dr. David believes cortisone injected in the joint does not remain in the joint long enough, and PAAG may be more appropriate as it lasts longer. One study indicated that up to 70% of the horses returned to soundness after just one PAAG injection but is more effective in acute versus chronic cases. It also requires time to be effective, so would not be a good choice in a horse that is lame and needs relief immediately, as PAAG usually requires two to four weeks to be effective, and it is recommended to gradually work the horse back into exercise over a two-week period. Peak effects of the drug is four weeks. If you have a horse with arthritis, ask your veterinarian about injecting polyacrylamide gel in the affected joints. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is providing more information on chronic wasting disease on its website. Jessica Domel takes a look in today's wildlife reports. Chronic wasting disease is a real threat to Texas deer. That is the message from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, which recently kicked off a public awareness campaign to share information with hunters, landowners, and the general public about what can be done to protect Texas deer and stop the spread of the fatal neurological deer disease. John Solofsky, director of TPWD's Wildlife Division, joins us with more. We've had CWD in Texas since 2012, and we've been surveilling for CWD across the state, many places since then, and some places even before. But nonetheless, our standard process has been to go to locker plants, hunter camps, and different things like that, and surveil, collect samples from these hunter-harvested animals. Through that, since 2012, and even up until recently, there's a lack of awareness from hunters in general that CWD is on the landscape in Texas. So we consider this to 
use a cliche kind of our got milk campaign to create that awareness that this is not an attempt to put fear in the hunter like oh my gosh cwd's everywhere it's really going to impact you because right now it's not the prevalence in texas is whether you consider it in a breeding facility or on free range it's still very very low and that's we're trying to attempt to keep it very very low because once it exists you effectively cannot get rid of cwd so this awareness campaign through billboards social media aspects updating our web page different things like that are just a an effort by the department to create greater awareness that was john solovsky from the texas parks and wildlife department additional details are available on the tpwd chronic wasting disease webpage for the texas farm bureau radio network i'm jessica domel another day of lower prices in the cattle and cotton markets We'll take a look back at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex took a drop for the third day in a row this week on Wednesday. Both live and feeder cattle ending in the red. August live cattle dropped 32 cents, 178.77. The October down 70, 179.27. December live cattle down 60 at 183.57. On the feeder cattle, August dropped 50 cents, 245.37. September feeders down 77, 249 even. October feeder cattle down 57 at 250.97. Cash fed cattle still quiet for the week. Here in the Southern Plains, feedlots asking 181 to 182. Box to beef prices higher Wednesday choice was up $1.41, 308.67. Select up $1.92. At 284.95. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Riley Rhodes, my guest. He sells cattle at Three Rivers on Monday. Riley, how did it go? I went good, Larry. Uh, probably looked like a little cheaper in spots, uh, but uh, overall pretty much steady. Uh, they did take a little bit of money off the rail cows. Uh, they were two to four lower today, uh, which was kind of first the first time in a, in a good while. But uh, still selling good. Uh, but overall, market uh, still plenty of demand on just about everything. Um, we are having a hard time, a little bit hard time with the stocker cows. Uh, they're splitting out more than we can get for them. But our, most of our cow care pairs today brought them ten fifty up to seventeen hundred. Uh, the bread cows from 850 up to 1550, kind of depending on their age and how far along they're bred. The packer cows 108 to 116 on your high yielding cows, 102 to 110 on your breakers, 78 to 94 on your canners. Uh, high yielding packer bulls 120 to 128, low to medium yielding bulls 104 to 120, two to three weight choice steers 264 to 308, heifer mates 260 to 298, the three to four weight choice steers 260 to 302, heifer mates 234 to 274. 
four to five weight choice steers, 240 to 284. Heifer mates, 222 to 260. Five to six weight choice steers, 236 to 268. Heifer mates, 218 to 252. The six to seven weight choice steers, 226 to 250. Heifer mates, 202 to 226. Then the seven to eight weight cattle, your choice steers, 208 to 236. And the heifer mates, 192 to 212. And uh, like I said, most everything looked like uh, it was pretty much steady. Some of the some of the lightweight kind of new crop calves uh, looked like they could have been a little cheaper in this hot weather. Young and fat uh, looked like they might have backed off of them just a little bit. But overall, pretty much a steady market. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week, Riley. 361-786-2553 is the office. 361-813-6650 is the cell. LiveOakLivestock.com is the web. And Walking the Pins is our program, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble, your host. Thanks for listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished lower on Wednesday. October hogs dropped two cents, 78.17. December down seven at 71.17. Class three milk lower as well. Nearby August down three cents, 17.30 a hundredweight. September milk down 18 cents, 17.86 a hundred. Cotton market took another drop on Wednesday. A couple of factors weighing heavily on the market. The big one is the bad economic news that keeps coming out of China this week. A higher dollar is not helping things either. We finish with October cotton down 88 points, 85.32. The December down 38, 84.72. With March cotton down 37, 84.64. Corn market managed to close higher. Some hot temperatures across the central and southern plains as well as parts of the Midwest expecting to climb in the 100-plus degree level, and that has helped to boost the corn market a bit. Other key corn states like Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, and Missouri all likely to see the high 90s with very little rain in the forecast. We finished with September corn up 5.5 on that news, 469.5. December corn up 6 481 and a half. March corn up six and a quarter, 495 and a half. Wheat market was mixed with hard wheat higher, soft wheat continuing to drift lower. September Kansas City wheat up five and a half, 743 a bushel. September Chicago wheat down three quarters at 597 and three quarters. In the energy market, September natural gas down six cents at 259. September West Texas crude down a dollar eighty. 79.19 a barrel. The financial markets lower Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 156 points, 34,789. The Nasdaq down 148 at 13,482. The S&P down 30 points, 4,407. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.